0: Welcome, listener, to our conclusion interview for Star Wars Episode Eight: Rise of the Jedi, A Predicted Story. In these interviews, we will be taking a look back at the games that we have just played in, take a deeper look into some of the game systems and the homebrew worlds that we had the opportunity to enjoy, as well as talking about some post-game thoughts and having some time for GM advice. I am here with the GM for this game, Rich Howard. Thank you so much from the Block Party Podcast Network, from me as a player getting to enjoy this fantastic game. Words cannot express. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for pushing me to the edge of my envelope with this one. (laughs) It was uh, well worth the journey.
0: Yeah. This is a game that I don't think any of us will ever be able to forget. It was fantastic. You hear a little bit about it in that post-game discussion after the game of just, I think, Rich, you described it as that crate dragon high that you're always chasing.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's true. I, you know, it's funny. I, man, I I was right. I came home and was telling my wife about this story. My wife's not a big geek. She loves, she likes Star Wars and she watches like the Marvel movies with me and stuff like that. But (laughs) I was like, okay, honey, this is one of those things. You're just going to have to listen to me talk. You're just going to have to listen to me talk. You're not going to understand half of what I'm saying. It's okay. Just nod. (laughs) Just pat me
0: on the back and say, good for you. Just let me talk.
1: Good job. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And she did. And she was like, when do I get to hear it? And I'm like, um... It's going to be a while.
0: (laughs) Yes, if you don't know, as a listener, probably most of you don't know that the turnover rate for GM Showcase games is at the very least a couple months. So for months, Rich has been sitting on his hands, just bouncing up and down, just waiting for the release. And so it is finally here. You guys are listening to it, so
1: (laughs) but well worth the wait. We've been all very Uh, excited about it. So yeah, and honestly, this is one of the best games I have been a part of in hmm. decades. There was a lot of pressure going into the game about, you know, the weight of the characters. I think you mentioned in that post game thing, like the, the weight of these uh, decades old, in some cases, characters and and being able to try and predict what the next <laughs> phase of a movie with such vastness as Star Wars is and having it end like wrap up in a way. We were on a time crunch, too, because Craig had to head out like he had to leave. So I was like, oh, I got 20 minutes to wrap this up in some way
0: that doesn't isn't terrible (laughs) yeah that doesn't yeah it doesn't ruin the story so but let's let's get into that let's talk about that this post game discussion and i think one of the first things that i want to talk about is just how this game came about and also i want to hear from your end the gm set up for this game and what you did so basically to kind of tell the story i had this idea a while back i was like wouldn't it be awesome everybody loves star wars Star Wars episode seven has just come out. Everybody's so excited about these new movies, this new plot that's being developed. And I was like, man, I would love to tell a story, a predicted episode eight. But the problem was I had no idea how to run an edge of the empire game. I did not know the system. And this was something that I was not comfortable with. And so I racked my brain and I was like, Hey, rich Howard, that guy knows edge of the empire <laughs> i know you you run games at cons for podcasters a lot yeah. and for other people just at conventions based in the edge of the empire yep. system and so and you know star wars you love star wars i mean like you said 39 years yeah. ago like this is something that you've been in love with for a long time, and so I came to you and we talked about it. And I said, "Hey, would you run this game?" Uh, and you agreed uh, as we <laughs> talked about the introduction interview, and probably afterwards for weeks were said, "What am I doing?" Yeah. Because, like you said, there is this weight to it, right? Yeah, we're not just telling a rando story; we're taking beloved characters, yeah. and we are telling a beloved story, right? And so this was a predicted thing. We had all the players write in their predictions. So, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about that setup, like of getting predictions from us, the players, and then using that to create a story frame for the game we played in.
1: Sure. Yeah. Everybody had some great ideas. But what was interesting to me was that several of you all had a very similar idea. Which was the idea that Luke found the first temple, and inside were a bunch of artifacts. And You all had variations on the theme, you know, like Kylo was coming to steal the artifacts, or you know that kind of stuff. But the general idea was the same, and and of course, I for those of you who for some reason may not know me, I'm, I'm really into aquatic game settings. So I was joking. Early on, like, okay, whoever whoever suggests, like, you know, the Mon Calamari homeworld or whatever, that's what we're going to be placing this game on. Whoever suggests an, an aquatic world. But for some reason, it just escaped me that he's on one. And it ended up working out beautifully. Um, there were some other ideas as well. Like, um, I asked pranks early on, like, okay, what do you think Poe's been doing? <laughs> like, what's he been doing? I don't know Poe. Like, obviously, now everyone knows Pranks knows Poe because <laughs> he was the perfect cast <laughs> for that part. And so getting some input from other people about where they where they thought their characters would have been. But really the hardest thing for me was trying to find some justification. I didn't want to just throw a bunch of stuff together and not have a reason. It's just the writer in me. Hmm. And the biggest, hardest thing was where are the characters? Where's Ray? Is she still on the planet? Did she give him the lightsaber and leave? Did did Luke stay on the planet? Did he come back to the rebellion? Are we gonna set this in a in a resistance base somewhere with Luke off the planet? Like these were like basic elements that I had to run through a bunch of different scenarios in my head about what made sense. Would would he be training Ray? And if he was, why would he be training Ray? He doesn't know her, <laughs> he doesn't know her from anyone, as far as we know. Like maybe. Maybe he knows her and recognizes her from the Academy. I I, I don't know. But it wasn't until I tripped on this general concept that they really kind of had been hammering into Star Wars Rebels and the books about the idea of getting into these Jedi temples requires two Jedi, a master and an apprentice. Typically, you can't just get in with one and an apprentice can't do it by themselves. And once I remembered that story element... I was like, that's it. That's it. Luke has no one else. The only person he can draw on at this point, since mm. apparently Kylo killed everyone except for his own knights, is Kylo. And he's not going to go get Kylo to open up this open up this temple, right? But now Rey shows up, and he knows she's Force-sensitive. She's got the lightsaber. He's like, the Force is bringing her here. That was it. And once I hit on that, then the rest of it kind of fell into place, at least the starting point. And then the other thing was trying to think of each individual character and what they where they were left in the last movie. So what would Finn's choice be? Like we know that the First Order, and again I talked a lot of, to Pranks about this. What would the First Order, what would their reaction be to Finn? And his reaction was they all want to murder him in his sleep. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like <laughs> uh, okay, but he can't be the only one who is you know quote unquote flawed or broken. There's just too many of them. You know too many of these soldiers to not have some of them have some glimmer of pre-programming and even if it's a small number you know like 40 on the finalizer out of maybe a crew i'm I'm assuming like an aircraft carrier crew of five to ten thousand people on a star destroyer 40 people is a tiny percentage but it's not nothing so that's where i got this idea of him coming now what's great about the fantasy flight system is the the first order soldier that I had coming to that poet arrested originally? He was just a blank slate. I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't even know it was a guy. All of that, all this Reaper stuff, and all of the his his end up designation number, all that stuff was made up by Craig on the fly. Yeah. So the guy I had in my head was just a generic soldier who was just the harbinger. He was just the deliver delivery person of the message. But once Craig got into it and realized what. The kind of what the system is, he made up like this really cool character and you were all into it. And I was like, well, that's much cooler than what I came up with, right? So the Reaper and all of these things. And it fed into everything that happened in the rest of the game because a player jumped in and had the, was given the agency by the system to be able to create something. And once you get a player that invested, then you know that NPC is somebody they're going to care about and it's going to matter so you roll with it, right? Also, by the way, the finalizer was never in my original draft. If you listen to Pranks, Pranks said the finalizer was there. I just was going to have Kylo in his shuttle show up on the planet, but he comes out of hyperspace (laughs) and says, oh, how many Star Destroyers are there or something? And I was like, (laughs) oh, I guess there's a Star Destroyer there now. And, uh,
0: yeah, and then he said, "Is it is it Kylo's ship? Is it Kylo's star destroyer?" And I was like, like yeah. "I was like, oh, did that get
1: destroyed? It didn't. Um, okay, then yeah, it sure. Is. Of course, it is. That's exactly. It's like I made it up myself. But this is one of the kind of advantages of that fantasy flight system is you really being able to draw the players in to create the story. But there's enough, still enough, like mechanical crunch to keep it. I think focused and keep even those of us who who like um, some you know game mechanics to be involved." Satisfied. So it was a nice balance.
0: So I have a question with. That setup and with the predictions that we sent to you. So you were uh, under no obligation to use all the predictions uh, that we gave to you. I think we've discussed like you were supposed to use at least one prediction from each person, something along along those lines, and everybody sent you like three to five predictions. How did that go? Did you use all predictions? Did you omit some? The one I really was interested in was were there contradicting ones that you had to kind of choose all right, which one am I going to use? There were
1: some contradicting ones, mostly from locations. But what I what I did do, I didn't use all of them. And some people, I think most people did at least three. I think pranks went bonkers and did five or eight or something. Cause he Does just, not surprise me. Yeah, I seem to remember. And I didn't use them all. But I think once I, once I realized that... Here's the other advantage, I guess, of what you set up. The, the advantage being... You're asking the players, you, you basically ask the players to tell me what kind of game do you want to play, right? If they had all sent me in political intrigue suggestions, then we would have had a very different game. But they all sent me stuff saying, I want Kylo to be in this game, right? I want mm-hmm. the Knights of Ren to be in this game. I yep. want Octo to be in this game, right? I want the Jedi history to be in this game. Now, that may seem obvious in retrospect, but there's a lot of ways this game could have gone and because mm-hmm. you guys all sent me basically some similar ideas i just tried to find the through line of the game that you all wanted to play and see how i could fit those puzzle pieces together it made my yeah. job a lot easier than me like having to make up episode 8 myself that
0: would have been a nightmare hmm.
1: this was just <laughs> just this was this was just borderline nightmare <laughs>
0: I think that one of my uh, predictions that I sent to you was something along the lines of like, the Knights of Ren are the big threat, and I think in parentheses or something, I said something along the lines of, not the Death Star number four. Please, not the Death Star (laughs) number four. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah, I'm glad we didn't do that. All right,
0: so one thing that I know Darcy Ross like commented to us when we were discussing the game after we had played in it was... And upon reviewing the game too, this is so true and really is quite interesting. Uh, So, We played in a game with four players, four characters, uh, who there was never a point in this game where our entire group was united together in one spot. Poe, he reached the planet Octo and he totally went off in his own way. Finn went off in his own way and kind of got together with us, but it wasn't till the very end. And so we played an entire game with a split party, an entire one-shot game. Yes. But one thing that Darcy had said was it was never boring. We were always is able to be super into it super focused did you plan for that as a gm what is there something you can (laughs) kind of give as far as advice out there to other gms of like how maybe to do that in a engaging way to have a split party but to have everybody at the table whether it's virtual or in real life be engaged
1: so my original thought process was uh, the thing with with edge of the empire the prep for edge of the empire is very different than Than other games that I have either written adventures for or played in like D&D and that's because you can't I mean there's much more player agency every game uh the players could decide just not to go to your dungeon that you set up or whatever Mm -hmm. but in this game it can it's a little bit more subtle so my thought process originally as I just mentioned was it was just going to be Kylo's shuttle and a couple of TIE fighters and the only reason I put a couple TIE fighters in there to escort Kylo's shuttle was because I knew that Poe was going to have to be there fighting TIE fighters because he's going to because I everybody wants to see Poe flying an x wing, right? Yeah. So yep. not that he wasn't a, not that he wasn't an effective ground soldier. We got to see that in the opening scene in, in seven. But no, I can honestly say i I knew that I started you guys split, but I figured I did not expect to have a three different like set piece, <laughs> three different yeah. locations because at one point, Poe's in space, Finn is fighting TIE fighters in the atmosphere, in the air, and you guys are trying to cross the ocean to get to Kylo and fighting, yes. you know, First Order soldiers. No, I didn't predict. <laughs> that that any of that was going to happen.
0: Is there something that you did to try to keep it engaging and to keep it still so that nobody was sitting there twiddling their thumbs? And I I think I think both of us would uh, would honestly admit as as both of us GMS that part of it was the game itself. Right, we were all we had all players who bought into this whole idea of yep. we're playing Star Wars Episode Eight. Holy cow! And yeah. so to tear us away was really. Would have been a difficult thing. But like, was there, is there something as a GM that you can do in that situation and still keep everybody engaged?
1: Yeah. So part of what I did was you have to, you, you can't leave somebody hanging for too long. And, and the lucky part of this was it wasn't a politics game. This was definitely an, an action game, right? We were, play, we were playing an action movie. The advantage of that is that things, even cutting from scene to scene, just like a watcher watching Star Wars just because you're now on a scene with Finn fighting off TIE fighters as he's you know, trying to land this B-wing, modified B-wing thing, you don't lose interest in what Poe's doing or what Luke's doing. You're thinking like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen next with them while I'm watching this exciting thing? Yeah. And like Darcy had brought up something about the space battle. You'll notice in the space battle, um, I didn't pretty much have any of the TIE fighters rolling dice. I never rolled a die on Poe. What I did was instead of considering it being like a board game like Imperial Assault, instead of having it be a back and forth kind of thing, what I just what I said was is that what is the point? So what's the point of the scene with Poe? The point of the scene with Poe is that the tie fighters are an obstacle. They are not individual characters as enemies, they are as a group an obstacle to getting to his goal. And so I treated them as obstacles. So when Poe rolled dice on piloting or dice to hit or anything like that his disadvantages or threats turned out to be things that didn't go well with for him so he took strain damage you know on his ship or he got hit or i pictured things like okay in the next round what's going to happen is you know the big giant you know ship killing gun is going to fry you know a bunch of the the squadron Right. So at one point he, he they rolled a despair and I was like, well, I'm pocketing that because I didn't know what to do with it immediately. And I'm like, I need to, I'm going to hold that despair and not tell them what's going to happen. And they know that it's hanging over them so that they're involved. They don't know when it's going to drop. And then I'm going to do something terrible that's going to be dramatically appropriate. But it was still obstacles. I still wasn't rolling dice for the finalizer hmm. to fire at someone. And the reason I did that, if you were all in X-Wings, that would have been maybe different. But the reason I did that was because I also had Finn making piloting checks in the atmosphere with Tie Fighters after him, and I did the same thing with him. Right in one of the scenes, he rolls a threat, which means he took some damage. He's now got black die on some stuff, and then I ma- I folded it into the narrative and let you guys make all the rolls. I really took a uh, you know took a card out of the Numenera cipher system playbook, which in that game the GM never rolls a die. It's all in the hands of the players. And it kept the action moving forward, and it kept the action focused on the players and what the players were doing. No one was sitting around waiting for me to roll dice if I could possibly help it.
0: That was definitely something I noticed was I I personally even remember just in the game, you going... With Poe, Poe's going flying towards the finalizer, and you saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm not gonna roll this. Mitch, you're BB8 right now. Roll right. this computer's check." And, that's and the, that, it, like, it's yep. it's great. It's just a little thing that as a GM can do to bring your players into right. it and have them be part of the story, even if their PCs aren't part of the story. It's right fantastic. when
1: you're when you're when you're having a bunch of NPCs like that, and people have a split party, there's no reason why you can't like, okay, Darcy hasn't done something in a while don't let Darcy sit around Darcy. Do you want to make a, do you want to step out of the role of Ray who has a particular set of skill sets and want to fire a big old gun at something? (laughs) Right. Okay. You're the reaper. You're the reaper for a while. Hey, why not have Mitch (laughs) roll the dice for BB eight and have him be involved? Yep. Right. And so once you do that a couple of times as a, as a storyteller or GM, your players realize, Oh, I need to be paying attention because rich may may want me to help. That's the mentality I find appears in the players' heads. Rich wants me to help him. It's a positive thing for them to do, not Rich is making me do something or why is Rich, why am I still sitting around watching somebody else do something cool? It's pretty easy to do. Why do I need to roll all the dice? Keep everybody involved. Yeah. Also, if they roll really badly, they can't blame <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> true, very true. <laughs> so after coming out of this game, I'm really interested in this type of creating a story we knew episode eight was going to be made but we said we can't wait let's do a predicted story we're all such big star wars fans let's do this but there's people listening right now, that maybe there's another sequel that's not come out yet that they could run a game for as a predicted story. Maybe there's a a story that's been told through movies or books that got canceled for some reason, that wasn't finished, that they ha- would love to be able to go, oh, I wish there was, I wish we were able to finish that story, that yeah. they could do that as a game now. And I love this idea. Now, yep. as you said at the beginning, there is a weight that you're you bring to that, especially when you are running the game. Yeah. For somebody out there who's listening, who would like to GM or maybe recommend to somebody else, as I did for, to you to run a game for a sequel to a movie, for a sequel to a book, or whatever it is that whether it was finished or it's not going to be finished or it's getting finished. Is there any advice you'd give specifically for that kind of a situation?
1: Yeah, it's an unusual one, but I'm I'm also the host of a a podcast called Whelm the Young Justice Files, which was an animated series that was prematurely canceled. We're now luckily getting a season three, which is great. But we've been thinking about doing actual plays, and I have been specifically Hmm. drawing on this experience as to how we might do that. And I can't I can't emphasize enough how helpful it was and how good it was to get your players right off the bat involved by having them send you predictions, a bunch of predictions, and then put them together. Again, it lets them tell you what kind of game they want to play and also may give you some, you know, some ideas about, you know, what, what you could possibly do with the sequel. So I think that's great. But also if you're going to do something like that, it's, probably helpful to have your players be well-selected. So people who are fans of the material, the group of players here really carried this story. You were brilliant as Luke. People couldn't see Craig's face, but he could not have been like imitating and in the character of Mm. Finn anymore. So true. Darcy picked the most, she runs Numenera and a lot of Cypher System. She's the co-host of the Cypher Speak podcast. Ray is the most Numenera-like character in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> like, all of these things couldn't have been better. And we all just, we all heard, you know, Pranks as as Poe. So, <laughs> yes, amazing. if you have a character, if you have a player who's never seen the thing or isn't as into the thing as your other players, then that might be a bit of an issue
0: and don't expect them to be as engaged as somebody who would like that's maybe that's and that's a good piece of advice like if you love this book that never got a sequel and you have four players who don't either care for the book or uh, have never read it probably not the time to do a sequel for that book right exactly but
1: if you have some players and you know of course if you like a thing you probably know people who also like the thing Right. Mm -hmm. And you can say, like, hey, guys, I want to I can't wait for the last book of Game of Thrones. Let's do a little mini adventure or, you know, hey, I wonder what happened in the five years between season one and season two of Young Justice. Let's do a let's do just a little adventure over a couple of days. It's not going to and see what see what we come up with. You know, there's so much stuff you could do out there. Say if you want to do a superhero comic book story in general, comic books are totally malleable. Hmm. You have a bunch of friends who love Batman. Then say, like, hey, let's do a game where we're the, the bat family. And everybody send me some suggestions of the kind of game you want to see, and then I'll mash them together. I can't, I'm sorry, I've said it three or four times, but your suggestion of doing that was brilliant and really made this game. So, and everybody, the other suggestion that really like made this game is when you messaged me the night before and said, oh, by the way, I don't want to (laughs) have Anakin's lightsaber. I want to have Ben's. When you have the players who were really into these characters, I didn't know what we were. I, I, again, I had no idea what I was going to do with that. I probably would have assumed that you had taken mm. it because my brain was on so many other story elements to focus on. That was a relatively minor one. Yeah. Right. But what you chose to do literally made the end of that game. What you and Darcy did in that last <laughs> scene wrapped everything together in a way that none of us could have predicted
0: in this predicted story. Mm. It was brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate that. So what was your favorite moment from the past game?
1: <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? All of it? <laughs> Craig suggesting the Reaper was brilliant. Yeah. Listening to Poe. Listening to Poe. I didn't even say pranks. I said Poe. <laughs> listening to pranks do his his like rogue squadron lang- lingo yes. was great. Oh, what so what good. people may not... What people may not have realized that during while we were playing the game, um, Craig had a little automatic noisemaker, Star Wars noisemaker thing, <laughs> and so every once in a while he would just push the button at certain times when like Tie Fighters would go flying by, and but twice he made he made once he made a noise of R two D two, in the very first uh, episode, and you hear Mitch. That's why Mitch goes, "I know, buddy, I know." <laughs> if out of out of nowhere and there's just R two D two talking, that's why he said that was because. Because Craig had pressed the button and then later on while Pranks was trying to do something crazy in space He did a BB-8 noise and you hear Pranks say um, um, without I know buddy just no. hang on <laughs> Just didn't even miss a beat. He was like I know buddy just hang on. None of that was scripted None of that was ahead of time. That was you guys being so in character And as a group of players being so involved with each other that you move that forward. That was fantastic hmm. Darcy's um, Darcy's whole like borderline dark side. I knew you were going to give one answer. <laughs> I can't. I can't. The whole like rebel yell, like it's all just the threats and dark <laughs> side line, right? The the resistance yell. That whole like is she gonna flip? Like this is intriguing. But then again, the very end, the lines that you must have scripted ahead of time. I'm guessing Somewhat, things you yeah. may have thought you wa- you wanted to say. Um, hoping that it would make sense in the story (laughs) yeah was brilliant the whole thing like i nearly started crying when you were like you know chewy your dad we went and got this crystal i'm like dude really you're (laughs) killing me (laughs) so all of those things all together you know meshed together in such a beautiful way it was fantastic we definitely had a synergy so if i had to give one answer my favorite thing was the synergy between all the players and myself for the game that's awesome
0: That's a good answer. So, Rich, I want you to now plug yourself. Tell us where, if our listeners haven't already checked out, they can go and find more of your work, find uh, your podcast. Tell them all about yourself.
1: Sure. Thanks. So um, probably the easiest way to find me uh, is on uh, Twitter at the yj files that's uh my account for whelmed the young justice files podcast from there you can find my personal twitter account and my co host caleb g as well you can also find uh if you're interested in my articles and writing about different things like this kind of storytelling then you can go to tribality.com i have two columns there one is called from the depths where i focus on aquatic gaming themes and the other one is the game room which is more general gaming stuff Uh, I have a bunch of conversions of Star Wars aquatic races into fifth edition for example things like that that some of your listeners might be interested in and aside from that I do a lot of fifth edition work for companies like Rogue Genius Games and Christina Stiles Presents and Misfit Studios Um, some of it's kind of behind the scenes and some of its forefront products I do have a Patreon campaign as well for role-playing it's uh, www.patreon.com slash rich howard. I think it's that's pretty much it I just updated my, um, I have a uh, continuous list of my podcast appearances, so I highly recommend checking out uh, things like, oh, I don't know, the Dungeon Master's Block, where I've guested. Oh, it. sounds like a cool podcast. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, DMnastics <laughs> and uh, a bunch of others as well.
0: So Fantastic. So before you leave, is there one last word or advice that you would want to give to GMs out there? Yeah,
1: there is. Don't let the rules get in the way of a good story. Also, say yes as much as you can. I think if you go back and listen to this, you'll hear me listening to suggestions from the players. And I don't know if I ever said no. I might have said maybe not, but maybe this instead kind of a thing. I'm, I'm a very agreeable GM. Having reasonable players that I did helps that quite a bit. But try to say yes and see where it takes you because your players are trying to tell you something. They're trying to tell you, this is what I want to have happen this is the kind of game I want to participate in. If you say yes, then you're giving your players, you're making your players happy and giving them what they want, if you can.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Rich. And one last thank you so much for running this game, for me, for the rest of the players, for the GM Showcase, and for the listeners out there. We appreciate it so much.
1: You bet. Thanks so much.
0: Well, listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed this game of the GM Showcase. Special music for this game was recorded by Austin Mize. Thank you, Austin. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at thegmshowcase at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at gm underscore showcase, and you can like our Facebook page. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy the stories that are being told, we would really appreciate it if you headed over to iTunes and gave us a 5-star review. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of you who have been doing that so far. A special shout out to Dungeonetics, Aledu123, DM Skywalker, Classic Noob, Chester the Bro Jester, dm starhelm and rich howard if you'd like to support the show monetarily you can check out our patreon for the block party podcast network the link for that will be in the show notes be sure to look into the other shows connected with our podcast network shows like the dungeon masters block geek wars and we're so bad at adventuring well blockheads Thank you so much for joining in. Thank you for listening to this game. We hope to see you back again for our next game here on the GM Showcase.